let's all stand. Turn to 137. 137. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled, joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies, with angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. Christ by highest heaven adore, Christ the It's awesome, and uh, thankful for the birth of our Savior tonight, amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Sure glad you are here uh, tonight. Pray for our classes downstairs, as well as our teens over there uh, meeting. Our buses were able to run tonight, so that was a real blessing. So let's pray tonight as we are here, and certainly want the Lord uh, to meet with us tonight. I'm going to ask Brother Don Katanik if you would pray for us tonight.
you be seated uh, tonight. And I did just want to mention a few announcements here very, very quickly. Uh, of course, looking forward to uh, this coming Sunday. It is uh, Christmas Eve, and so we are having special services in light of the holiday. And so again, uh, for those that may not be aware, we are having a, an 11 a.m. service only. That's our, our regular morning service time, but we will not be having Sunday school uh, or men's prayer or our buses uh, running. And so it'll be 11 a.m. service only. And then in the evening service, we're going to move that up and have that at 5 uh, p.m. That way folks have time for their families and things like that uh, later on. We do realize, I, I realize a lot of people do a lot of different things on Christmas Eve with their families and, and stuff like that. And we certainly want to make room for that. But at the same time, we want to honor the Lord. Amen. And so I want to encourage you, want to encourage you on two things. Number one, be in your place. But number two, come ready and, and come prayed up and, and ready because I don't know if you realize this. We had a ton of visitors Sunday morning for the junior church program, which was a blessing to see. Uh, but, I, I, you know, there's probably going to be uh, people here for the Christmas Eve services and, and things like that as well that maybe aren't in our normal services and, and stuff like that. So I want to ask if you would certainly pray uh, for that. Uh, it, what a blessing it would be for, to see somebody trust Christ as their Savior on Christmas. Amen. And talk about the greatest gift ever received. Amen. And, and given certainly with our Savior. What a blessing uh, there. Also wanted to remind you, New Year's Eve uh, is on a Sunday as well. And so December the 31st, uh, we'll have our regular services throughout the day. But then in the evening service, we'll have a linger longer following that. So I want to invite you to bring foods and, and finger foods and, and things like that. And let's look forward uh, to a time of fellowship and thankful for that. Of course, coming up in January, we have quite a few things. January the 2nd, our kids go back to school. So if you have kids in Faith Baptist School, be aware of that. And then also Friday, January the 5th, they have basketball and volleyball games. And so that'll actually be here. Uh, and that'll be at six o'clock in the evening. Uh, and then several other things coming up uh, in January. Just wanted to mention some of those things uh, tonight. And then, of course, uh, don't forget about there's a wedding shower uh, January the 6th, which is on a Saturday, and that's at 1 o'clock in the afternoon in the fellowship hall. That's for Miss Sophie uh, Mirhoff uh, that is getting married in February, and so she is registered. They are registered at Amazon. So I wanted to mention those things uh, tonight. All right, if you have your prayer list tonight, do have quite a few things to mention uh, tonight, and so let's go ahead and take those uh, out. I uh, did just want to mention, um, good to see Brother Tim and Miss Anna uh, Quinlan over in the youth department. Uh, yesterday had the funeral for her grandmother uh, down in Oklahoma, and so they were able to make it down there and back. And uh, just pray for the Mabry's uh, sweet family, and uh, that's Miss Anna Quinlan's parents. That was Miss Dana's uh, mom, and so if you would pray for them as they are grieving. Also, the Clarence Sexton uh, family, uh, and uh, Brother Clarence Sexton, longtime preacher there uh, in the Tennessee area. Uh, also, uh, Sue, I think uh, Sue and Lauren McRae are traveling uh, to be at that funeral, and so pray for them. And then, of course, the Dalsing family that's getting ready to move uh, to Texas. Their last Sunday is going to be that New Year's uh, Eve, and so that at least they're going to finish the year in a godly state. Amen. And, uh, and then they're going to be moving down to uh, Texas, but do pray for them in all of that. And we do have quite a few uh, that are traveling and stuff throughout the holidays. Uh, Rich and Georgie Raymer, also Hugo and Irma 
Alonzo, I know the waters, you guys are going to be traveling uh, as well. Is anybody else going to be traveling? We need to put on our prayer list uh, tonight. Okay, you're here whether in the body or out, amen. Uh, and uh, also we've got just quite a bit of sickness and, and stuff uh, that's been going around. Good to see the Bellises here tonight. And, uh, but do pr- continue to pray for Bob and Sue Nugent. Also got a text from uh, Russ uh, Jackson uh, Monday, and they are dealing uh, with COVID as well. Our son uh, Luke is at home uh, sick and then was just asked to put Melanie Edler on there uh, as well uh, with an ear infection. And so just quite a bit of sickness and things uh, that's been going around. It kind of varies. Some people are getting, you know, strep throat. We've had strep throat. We've had stomach bugs. And we've had COVID, so, you know, it's like Brother Jim Wisdom said tonight, it'll probably be leprosy before it's all over with, amen. Uh, continue to pray for Brother Owen Wood, uh, Brother Roy McRae, and also wanted to mention this one tonight, also pray for Miss Virginia Potts. She fell uh, last week, didn't break anything, praise the Lord for that, uh, but she is kind of recovering uh, from that and very, very sore, and so if you would pray for her. Anybody have a prayer request or an update or anything tonight as we go to the Lord in prayer? Okay, Brother Shane. Okay. Well, praise the Lord. So uh, we can take Jim Gray off. Amen. Jim. Amen. I remember that one. Amen. So that's Miss Deborah's dad. Sure, praise the Lord for that. That's a blessing. So he's doing really good. So praise the Lord. Okay, so brother, I, I missed him Sunday. I knew something was up. Okay, so let's pray for brother. Okay. Okay, so let's pray for brother Gary Clark on that deal. Amen. Pray he gets to feeling better. Anybody else have a prayer request or anything tonight? All right, Miss Marilyn. All right. Take it. Okay. Okay. All right. So let's continue to pray for Brother Moeller and a faithful man there and uh, pray for, and uh, we can take Brother Donnie Carr off. That's a blessing there. Praise the Lord for that. He's okay. He's all right, right? Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Anybody else uh, tonight? Okay, Miss Stacy. Okay. Okay. Mercy. Okay. All right. So let's pray for Mark uh, Hurley. And that situation, that's Brother Jacob's dad, so absolutely. Okay, anybody else tonight? All right, let's go ahead and have our men uh, come tonight. <clears throat> and uh, I am uh, ready for Christmas. I've been enjoying Christmas, but I think I'm about ready for it to be here and to be over. Amen. It's, uh, if you were to draw blood out of me tonight, I think it'd not be nothing but sprinkles out of Christmas cookies. Amen would come out, so been a blessing though looking forward to celebrating the birth of our savior sunday and so let's pray for these things uh tonight and uh, a lot of prayer requests and and families and things going on so brother c parker would you pray for us tonight
Bibles out. Appreciate Brother Gary Waters. Do pray for Eric and his family. Thankful they can get away this week. Amen. And been doing a great job and got some time off from the school, and so they uh, were able to get away. But appreciate these men jumping in. Amen. Amen. And uh, Brother Ken uh, Quinlan, Brother Gary uh, Waters. Well, you're going to get a double shot of Christmas on Sunday. All right. So I uh, love it how we're we're starting Luke chapter two. Uh, that's right where we're at. Uh, but tonight, all right, we're going to stay with our study in First Timothy uh, tonight. And so First Timothy in chapter uh, number four, First Timothy in chapter uh, number four tonight. And so I uh, hope you didn't come in tonight anticipating a Christmas message. All right. So if you did, sorry to let you down, but I'm not really sorry. All right. So whatever helps you. Amen. First uh, Timothy chapter number four tonight. Of course, we are going through the pastoral epistles in our Wednesday night service. These are the letters to Timothy and Titus as Paul has trained these men in the ministry and now giving them responsibilities. And these are things that help us today as New Testament churches, how to govern ourselves and handle things. And, and of course, last week we saw 
We're to be the pillar and ground of the truth. Amen. Amen. And uh, so 1 Timothy chapter 4 tonight, look at verse number 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, commanding to abstain from meats which God hath created, to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. That Greek word for meats is barbecue. Amen. Oh, come on. You and I know that's, that's good right there. That will help your soul. Verse 4, for every creature of God is good. Amen. The cattle, the pig, the chicken. Focus. Focus. For every creature of God is good. Nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving, though I wouldn't necessarily recommend possum, amen, or armadillo, which is possum on a half shell. But verse number five, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Let's pray tonight. But we're having some fun here a little bit with the food tonight. There is a very serious subject at hand. And so let's pray and ask God's blessing on our message tonight. Father, thank you tonight for the word of God. Thank you tonight that you have given us truth, the testimony of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And even the apostles, Lord, that witnessed his death and his burial standing in honor of God's word. And I, I don't mean to beat a dead horse tonight, but I do want to continue to drive home the truth that has really been seen throughout the book of 1 Timothy. And that is that if you go back to chapter number 1, he has been left at the church at Ephesus. In fact, we'll find in 2 Timothy that he is the pastor there at the church at Ephesus. But we know this. He was left there to establish sound doctrine. And sound doctrine is healthy doctrine, and healthy doctrine produces healthy believers. I want to say I'm thankful tonight to be a part of a church that preaches the Word of God because the desire is that we would be a people of sound, healthy doctrine. But if you go back to chapter number 1, and I want you to look and watch this pattern here that, be kind of, that, that kind of unfolds as we've gone through here. Back in chapter number 1 and verse number 15, what a great statement that Paul makes as he says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. That means this, 
It can't be refuted, friend. This is what the gospel is about, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. And we would understand this tonight. That's the foundation of healthy doctrine. This is where it all starts for the lost man to understand that Christ died for him and that he can turn from himself and his sins and put his faith and trust in Christ and Christ can save him no matter what he has done in his life. If he can save Paul, who is the chief of sinners, he can save anybody tonight. All right? But at the same time, it's also where it should stay for us as a church body that we would understand this is the message of this church, that we would continually and consistently preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to our community that we would get behind men financially so that they can take it to where God has called them. This is the foundation of of sound doctrine. But then as you move into chapter 2, we begin to see where the gospel then takes us once we have received it. It should produce godly, holy men and women of God. It should produce that. That we would be a people that pray, that we would be a people that live righteously, that we dress modestly, that we carry ourselves in godliness. And then last week we saw in chapter number 3 how this body of believers is to elect godly qualified men into offices, the two offices within the church, the pastor and the deacon. And, And the reason for all of this is so that this church can be, it is the church of the living God, and it is to be the pillar and ground of the truth. All right, so so now watch this. When you look at chapters 1, 2, and 3, this is the pattern that's been laid out. This is what Timothy is supposed to go to the church at Ephesus. This is what he's supposed to set out. Is that this is this is the foundation for sound doctrine. This is where we're supposed to go with this, that we're to move into godliness and holiness in our life. And then this is the church that Christ desires for us to be, that we would learn how to behave ourselves and be the people of God that God has called us to be. All right? But now watch this, so keep that in mind. That is the pattern that's been sent out. But now we come to chapter number four. And the idea here is that. Where there is sound, healthy doctrine, listen to this tonight, there's also unsound doctrine and unhealthy doctrine, false doctrine uh, that that can certainly creep into the lives of of God's people. And as people are deceived by these things, they are lured away from the truth and from faith. And so what Paul here is warning Timothy now is to say this, Timothy, this is the pattern. But, but this is what the devil is wanting to do. Watch this. And so what he's saying to Timothy is this. Don't follow, don't follow this crowd. And don't follow and go this direction. Timothy, stay true to the word of God. Timothy, stay true to the pattern that's been laid out in chapter 1 and 2 and 3. Don't go this way, Timothy. Stay with the word of God. Stay with the word of God. The phrase, depart from the faith in verse number 1. It literally means apostasy, to turn away from the Bible and the teachings of Jesus Christ and His apostles. And so therefore we must conclude 
that what Paul is doing to Timothy here is he is warning him. He is giving him this warning of apostasy. And this is the application to us tonight where Timothy was seeing people in his day turn away from the faith. Listen to me tonight. We're watching people in our day and time turn away from the faith. And, and so what I'm saying to you tonight is this, is that just as Paul is challenging Timothy to stay with the pattern that's already been laid out and not to veer in the wrong direction, what I'm saying to you tonight is this, Faith Baptist Church, let us stay with the pattern of the Word of God. Let us stay with what Christ has given us and what the apostles have given us and let us not turn away from the faith and depart and commit apostasy tonight. I never heard of this term until I got to Cassville, Missouri. And it would be appropriate. We were, uh, there's two direct, when, when, you, when you were coming from our house and going down uh, Highway 248 and coming back into town, there, there were two directions there, and I think it was actually 112. But there were two directions that you could go. When you got up into the town, you crossed Mill Creek and got up into the town, you could go to the red light there and hit Main Street and go around to the church building. Or you could take this little back road, this little, it's called Sail Barn Road, and you could go this way and avoid going out around through there and, and go the back way. And, and so we were driving into town uh, one day, and we were following another man uh, uh, in the church. And so we got up there, and of course there was a bunch of cars, you know, waiting at the red light and things like that, because there were only three, and they made them count. All right, so we pulled up to the, we, we got to the red light. Well, I saw the guy that we were following that was going to the church, he veered off and took Selborne Road and went around. And I'm just sitting there with all the rest of the traffic waiting in the red light. And then it turns green and I turn left and go around through down, you know, Main Street and, and then cross over and get over there. And sure enough, there's the guy and he's already uh, walking into the building. And, and I get out of my car and I walk in and go, man, brother, you beat us here. And he goes, yeah. He goes, he said this. He said, I don't have herd. I'll try to avoid herd mentality. <laughs> Cassville, right? Cattle. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. First time I'd ever heard that term. Herd mentality, the idea is this. Herd mentality is what cattle do. Cattle, cattle are like, well, we could say it like this, the bandwagon effect. Cattle, listen, cattle follow the crowd. Cattle don't ask questions. Cattle, listen to this, cattle don't look for other ways. Cattle assume, watch this, that if all the other cows are going in this direction, then this must be the right direction. And what I'm trying to say to you tonight is this. People can be like that too. I remember, I remember earlier this year, we went, I had rented a car. I booked a, a rental car on the, on the internet before we went down to Tampa. And then we flew to Tampa. And we landed at the airport in Tampa. And we got out and we went into the rental car section and there were people everywhere. And then I looked at what uh, rental company I had on my phone, and I looked up, and I found the rental company that I had, and I looked, and it was like this. This people just went, all this made. And I looked at Natalie, and I said, i got to get in that line. Oh, boy. And then I said, you know what? Wait a minute. I booked it online. And then I thought, I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go downstairs, and I'm going to go to the express part of it, and I'm going to see what happens before I come back and I stand in this crowd and wait the whole time just so I can ask a question. And so I went downstairs and I went to the express. I walked right up to the window and I said, my name is uh, Wes Stewart and I got a car. And they said, yes, sir, Mr. Stewart, we've been waiting on you here. Here's, uh, you're in parking lot eight, keys are in it and tank is full. And I went, awesome. Listen to me, I'd have still been standing in line tonight. 
had I had her mentality. Guys, what I'm trying to get across to you tonight is this, is that I believe what Paul is warning Timothy of here is this, not to have herd mentality. It is, listen to this. It is a very dangerous thing when we start making spiritual decisions based on the choices and directions of men and not on the Word of God. I underline this in my notes tonight, and I want you to listen to this. The crowd is not a confirmation for spiritual things. If anything, the crowd is a red flag for spiritual things because men don't naturally flock to the truth. You understand? Jesus said it like this. Broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. You understand what I'm saying tonight? Now, listen, and so that's the idea here is that Timothy, as you begin to watch people begin to move and depart from the faith, Timothy, just because the crowd is leaving the things of God. Don't you leave the things of God. You stay with the Word of God. Now I want you to notice some things and how this, this warning of apostasy starts out tonight. The, the first thing that I notice here is this, is that it starts out with a biblical confirmation. Look at what he says in verse number 1. It says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly. So in other words, it's not the crowd here, it's the Spirit that speaketh expressly. A biblical confirmation, the word expressly means distinctly. And what Paul is saying to Timothy is this, is that Timothy, that look, I'm not trying to be a negative Nancy here. Timothy, I'm not trying to be skeptical of, of people or any of those kind of things. What, what I'm saying to you is this, is that this has been testified by the Holy Ghost of God that there's going to be some that depart from the faith. So, Timothy, this is going to come to pass. And the other thing to notice is, watch what it says. It says, now the Spirit speaketh expressly, and I love this, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. And, and the phrase there, latter times, simply means later. That's all it means. Now, now watch this. Late, later, it, mean, it, mean, it means that, it means that what, now watch this. It means that as Timothy spends time in Ephesus, he will watch as some reject the pattern of chapters 1, 2, and 3. That's the reality. Well, I don't really like what you're telling me about how I should dress and how I should live and how I should talk. Well, I don't think it's right that just men can serve as pastors and, and bishops and, and deacons and well, because after all, I watched MSNBC and they're all about it. Or Fox News or what? Who cares? What does the Bible say? Does anybody get what I'm saying to you? No, no, no. We're living in this feminist culture that doesn't like these things. I'm just telling you, that's the reality. This, this is where, where, where we're going. And so what he's saying is this, is that, Timothy, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna see people reject this pattern where, where, he, where he sees some receive Christ and, and God begin to change their life, and they grow in their faith, and they become part of the church, and God begins to work in their life and through their family as they serve the Lord. He's also going to watch some reject the gospel. He's going to see some reject him as the preacher. He's going to see them reject their need to grow in their faith and separate from the world and unto the things of God. What I'm saying to you tonight is this. I can testify this is still true. Over my almost six years of pastoring Faith Baptist Church, 
As God has grown my personal prayer list of people that He has added to this church, my prayer list has also grown with those who have departed from the faith. People that used to be part of Faith Baptist Church, but they left for, for, for some other reason. And I'm not talking about the people that, that God was working in their life and they were following the will of God and moved to another area and became part of another Baptist church down there and they're serving the Lord. I'm not talking about those people, though they are still on my prayer list. I'm grateful that they're still serving the Lord. But I also know that there are some that still live in this area. They're not going to any church anywhere and serving God and living for God. They're doing nothing with the salvation that they supposedly have. And it's heartbreaking to go down that prayer list. But here's the reality. They have committed apostasy and departed from the faith. That's what they've done. And part of this warning to Timothy is this. Don't get discouraged as this list grows. Church family, are you listening to me tonight? Don't get discouraged as that list grows. Stay faithful. Stay with the Word of God. Don't, don't make spiritual decisions based on the choices of other people. Stay true to the Word of God and consider this. Though there are some that have departed from the faith, there's also some that have been saved. And there's some that have received the gospel. And there are some that are following Christ in their life. And God is changing their life. And they're getting all in for the things of God. And, and I'm just telling you, listen, and, and so here's the thing. Rejoice in that. Rejoice in that. And don't let this other crowd discourage you. And I, and I believe that. That's, that's one of the things that he's telling Timothy, but, but I want you to stay with me here because something else that stuck out to me was not only the phrase latter times, but he says this, he says, some shall depart from the faith. And the reason that that stuck out to me is because I, I know this as a student of the Bible, that when you begin to study the scriptures, I believe you'll agree with me on this tonight, that, that what you will find is this, now watch this, the longer that the Lord tarries, the higher the number of people become that depart from the faith. Can, can I say that again? The longer that the Lord tarries, the higher the number of people become that depart from the faith. It, it, it moves from some to, to many. In fact, in 2 Timothy, he's going to say it like this. He's going to say it in 2 Timothy 3.13, But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Come on, that's going from some to... Is anybody watching this? In fact, in 2 Thessalonians 2, 2 and 3, it says, That you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. It's, look, look, come on, guys. Stay with me tonight. Come on. You, you understand? It starts out with some, and it's going to wax worse and worse until you get to this place of this great falling away. The point is this, is that the Scripture shows us 
that as the Lord tarries, more and more will depart from the faith. Therefore, what I'm trying to get across to you tonight is this, is that if Timothy experienced apostasy in his day, think about how bigger the crowds are in our day. And if Paul's telling Timothy here with some, with some, Timothy, don't have herd mentality, I think that all the more applies to us tonight. Don't have the herd mentality. Don't follow the crowds. Don't change the music and the doctrine and everything else. Stay on the old path. Stay with the Word of God. So, so, so how, do we, how do we do that? Well, Paul begins to show us some things, and, and certainly one of those things would be this that we would learn what the root causes of apostasy are. Look down again at verse number 1 and notice what it says. It says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. Now watch this. Giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Now you understand, sometimes understanding the why, it not only only helps us with, with confidence in our own faith, but... But it also helps us to avoid making those same choices when others depart from the faith. To learn why. What, what, what lured them in? What have, they, what have they bought into? And so Paul tells them here at the end of verse number 1 what led them astray. And what he's saying is this. They gave heed to, to seducing spirits, he says, and doctrines of devils. Now, now, doctrines of devils. Now, that would be that which is, now come on, stay with me, that, that which is antichrist. Come on, antichrist. Antichrist, anti-God, anti-Bible, anti-church. It is lies as opposed to truth, meaning the Word of God. And what the church, which is the pillar and ground of the truth, is supposed to stand on. Come on, it's lies. And that would make sense. It's doctrines of devils, and Satan is the father of lies. So, So we would understand that. And, and we would understand this comes in various forms tonight. Other books outside of the Bible, other religious leaders outside of Christ and His apostles, other religious systems outside of His true churches. The list really can go on and on and on as the world, which is Satan's domain, is now being filled with all kinds of voices and doctrines and messages to seduce men. It's reality, isn't it? But to me, what really stands out is the seducing spirits. Because I think it's kind of, I mean, it's kind of point blank on the doctrines of devils. But, but when you get down to the seducing spirits, to me, this shows us how the devil works to sway men to depart from the faith and to buy into his doctrines. Listen, listen, listen. Come on now. The, the devil's not the king of hell tonight. He's not, he's not sitting down on the throne in hell tonight wearing a, a red suit and holding a pitchfork and got big horns on, on his head. And No, no, no. no. The, the Bible calls him the prince of the power of the air. Do you know what that means? That means this, that this earth is, is his domain and where he is definitely active in, in, in thing, and at work right now on this earth. Um, the Bible also calls him an angel of light in 2 Corinthians. So we would understand that means this. He is very beautiful to look upon. What, what I'm trying to get across to you tonight is this, is that the devil doesn't show up to mankind with this big sign pointing out who he is and looking scary 
and ugly and unappealing so that men run from him. No, rather he is subtle. And he is looking to seduce men by appealing to their flesh, by giving them half-truths that sound good to the ear, but will eventually lead them away from the faith of the Word of God. I don't know if you've ever heard of this. The law of first mention. You ever heard of that? That, that means you go back to kind of the first mentions in the Bible and usually when you go back to that, it will give you some help and some understanding on some things. Well, really, you can find that true to be about the work of the devil. Go, go hold your place there in 2 Timothy tonight and go back with me to Genesis and chapter number 3 tonight. Genesis chapter number 3. Genesis 3 and verse number 1. The Bible says this, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Now listen, just stop right there. If a snake talks to you, run. I'm just saying, if I, usually if I see a snake, run. Amen? Much less it starts talking. But he says, Yea. Now watch this. He says, Yea, hath God said ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden and and you understand the very first thing that the devil does as he enters into the garden is that he attacks the source of truth the word of God yea hath God said he puts a question mark where God's already put a period and said don't partake of the fruit of the, of the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil So he's attacking the truth. Now watch though, watch what happens. Skip down to verses 4 and 5 because what he does is he begins to offer up these subtle lies that begin to appeal to the flesh of man in hopes of seducing uh, Eve here and and, and eventually Adam away from the truth. Look at at verse 4 and 5. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. Come on, catch that. Half truth. You're not going to die immediately, but you're going to die. Half truth. And then it goes down, verse 5. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as God's knowing good and evil, half truth. Yeah, your eyes are going to be open and you're going to know good and evil, but you're not going to be as a God. Come on, friend. I, listen, all of this is subtle deception. In verse number four, as already mentioned, they will die as a result of this, but Satan made it look appealing, watch this, because there were no immediate consequences. And in verse number five, they would know good and evil, but they wouldn't be as God's. They will be as sinners who disobey God. But again, it appeals to the flesh. Now, now here's, here's the thing. If you take notes tonight, you ought to write this down. Because uh, this is what I want you to grab a hold of. Verse number 4 says this. You ready? It says this. You can do what you want to do and there are no consequences. Come on, this is going to come in handy later. Like in about an hour. 
You can do what you want to do and there are no consequences. And verse number 5 says this, you can do what you want to do and you'll be exalted for it. You'll be as God's. So remember that. You can do what you want to do and there are no consequences. And then you can do what you want to do and you can be exalted for it. Now, now here's, here's what you and I got to understand. All right? I believe in a young earth because that's what the Bible teaches. So, so that means this. It's been some 6,000 years. And though the devil is packaging things a little differently, he is still up to his same old tricks of seducing men through these two very same avenues. You can do what you want to do and there are no consequences or you can do what you want to do and be exalted before God as a result of it. The fact is you begin to study here, Paul begins to go into showing Timothy really the results of this apostasy, not just the root of it, but the results of it so that Timothy can understand what it looks like and he can avoid it and teach others to avoid it as well. Look at verses 2 and 3. He says, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding, and, and commanding to abstain from meats which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. I have often said this uh, on, on a multitude of occasions, and so it will sound familiar to you tonight, but I've often said this, that balance is one of my favorite words in life and ministry. And here's why. Because balance is needed in life, but it's also needed in ministry and in doctrine. And Paul shows us that right here. Paul gives what I would call the pendulum effect, or others have said it like this, there's a ditch on both sides of the road. Dr. Dave Hardy always says it like that. I like grandfather clocks. And a pendulum is that which, the, that which swings back and forth on a grandfather clock and most false doctrine is the result of a pendulum effect. In other words, one false doctrine starts, and as a result of that, another one is created. And that's exactly what Paul's giving right here. Look at verse number 2. He says, speaking lies in hypocrisy. This is one of the false doctrines. This is the, you can do what you want to do, and there are no consequences, part of Satan's subtlety. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, yet there are consequences. And that's the reality. There are consequences. And look at what he says. He says, speaking lies and hypocrisy, watch this, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Their conscience, their moral compass of what is right and wrong is seared, he says, with a hot iron. You ever burned yourself and it left a scar? Some of you had already done that this week, cooking, right? Amen. But if it was Christmas cookies, it was a worthy sacrifice. Well, well listen, no doubt I've done it multitudes of times. Uh, as a welder, I remember my shirt catching on fire one time, and my fire watch was talking to somebody else. And I'm sitting there welding, and I smelled something burning, and there was smoke starting to fill up my hood. And I flipped up my hood, and my shirt had burned all the way up to here. You're fired. Could have, at least he could have he missed his opportunity to hose me down with water. But I've got I've got burn marks all up and down my arms uh, from where when you're welding and you get into you know welding pipe and things like that and it's going to be X-rayed. 
Well, if something starts burning into your arm, a spark lands on your shirt, burns through your shirt and into your arm, you can't stop. You just got to keep going. And so it just kind of burns in and stops, and you have to deal with it later. And, and so there have been, there is a lot of scars that, that are on my arm. And the idea is this, is that they are hard pieces of skin that will never change. They're always going to be there. I can go, I can start, you know, going fishing in the summertime, and my arms get tanned. But you can still see those little burn marks there because that skin never changes. What Paul is saying is this. This is the result of the carnal crowd that takes the grace of God and turns it into lasciviousness. It becomes a license for them to live ungodly and then they justify it by claiming, I have liberty in Christ. And the result of that is that two things do happen immediately though they are blind to it. Their conscience becomes seared. They become morally bankrupt as godliness is no longer their pursuit. And they're confused about what is right and what is wrong. But the second is this. They become hypocrites. Speaking lies in hypocrisy. What blows my mind is that the world understands that if you claim the name of Jesus Christ, there is an automatic expectation that you would live godly in your life, but yet God's people can't seem to get that through their heads and hearts. So he gives one. Speaking lies in hypocrisy. You can do what you want to do and there are no consequences, but yet there really are consequences. But see, here's what happens. I don't want to be like that. So the pendulum swings the other way. Is anybody catching this? So, so, so on one hand, you have those that have rejected truth in favor of their own fleshly carnality and worldliness. But in response to that, you have this other crowd that swings the complete opposite way. And in verse 3, here's what he says about this crowd. They forbid to marry and command to abstain from certain meats that maybe were forbidden by the law in the Old Testament. The idea here, now watch this, and I don't want to get caught off in a, or, or sidetracked in, in Jewish law and things like that, because really the idea here is that where one crowd wants no rules and anything goes, this crowd swings in the completely opposite direction and makes up their own rules that are completely overbearing to men. And God has not said anything about this in, in the Word of God. And like the second part of Satan's temptation on Adam and Eve, the idea here is this, is that, well, if you'll follow these things, you'll be exalted before God. Boy, God, this will make God happy. You'll earn His respect and His righteousness. And, and you'll earn, listen, you'll, you'll become as God. And men will follow you and worship you instead of God. Now here's the point. One is this. Both of them are wrong. Both of them are wrong. But here's the second thing. This ought to sound really, really, really familiar. Because this is exactly what's going on in our day and time. There's nothing new under the sun, friend. 
And what Paul is warning Timothy of here is happening in our day and in our time. I I don't know about you, but for me, when you read verse number 3, the overbearing rules of this verse, that that should remind every one of us of Catholicism. Forbidding to marry. Priests are forbidden to marry. Lent is, in in other days, are practiced. Silly man-made rules and traditions given to appeal to man's flesh to make him or her feel spiritual and closer with God. And men like the priests and the popes are worshipped as God. And the list of false religions could really go on and on as most require some baptism or catechism or confirmation to deem one spiritual. But that is not, listen to me, that is not what the Bible says. That's not what the gospel of Jesus Christ is about. It is about a heart condition and repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you don't earn the respect of God. You don't earn His righteousness. You receive His righteousness through faith in Jesus Christ. Your righteousness and my righteousness is as filthy rags. Period. But on the other side of that pendulum is the evangelical crowd of our day and time who also gives half-truths and sounds appealing to the flesh. See, where one false religion has overbearing rules, these proclaim, there are no rules. You can do what you want to do, and God's okay with it. And while the consequences may not be immediate, there will be consequences. Be be a fact, I mean, just look at churches, just look at the overall consequences of churches in America today. What started out as worldly music and perversions of the scriptures back in the 80s and 90s has now led to putting tattoos on people during so-called worship services. You, you didn't. That, this is what they're doing now. Get a tattoo on the stage up here while, while the worship service is going on. And the pastor, so that, listen, let me help you with that list tonight. That's wicked. That's ungodly. That, that's not in the Bible. Does anybody, does anybody get what I'm saying to you tonight? Because when you depart from truth and you seek to entertain the masses, eventually anything will go. The shock and awe must get higher and higher in order to keep the crowds coming. And as a result, the conscience becomes seared. The moral compass is hardened and, and right and wrong are now blurred. But here's the other thing. It is utter, it is utter hypocrisy. I listen, I'm, I'm telling you, I don't, I don't, I don't know that I have time tonight, but I I watched a clip on social media the other day of this evangelical leader. And I'm telling you, as I'm I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, this guy is an idiot. And I've I've come to the conclusion that there are a lot of people on social media that haven't been punched in the mouth and need to be punched in the mouth. I think a lot of the criticism in the comments and all the dumb stuff that people say and do, anyways, I'm just like, I, I wish the Lord would have had an office for that. You have the pastor, the deacon, and the mouth puncher. He did say lay, no, lay hands on no man suddenly. Just not suddenly. Amen. 
But this guy, I'm telling you, everything that he said echoed exactly, I mean, it, was, it illustrates exactly what Paul is dealing with here. This is the thing. He's bashing the opposite side of the pendulum. The, the, the religion, the, the ritualism. But then he starts hitting everybody that's biblical and, and starts, you, you know, the concept of church and tithing and pastoral leadership. And quote, unquote, this is what he said, because those men want to be worshipped and they skew our understanding of God. And this is what I thought of. Number one, had it not been for those faithful men of God and those faithful churches down through the ages that God used to preserve His Word, you wouldn't have any inkling and understanding of what who God is. And, and you understand, and, and, the, and the second thing is this, and I realize that there are some men that want to be worshipped, even Baptist men that want to be worshipped, but you listen to this tonight, there are also good men who want to be helpers of your joy and feed and lead the flock of God and give you the truth of God's Word. And the irony is, while this man was bashing other men of God, the reason he was doing that is because he wanted people to follow him and tithe to him. Speaking lies and hypocrisy. It's nonsense. Folks, what I'm trying to illustrate to you tonight is this is that this is very much real in our day and time. So, so the question then becomes for you and me. As the world gets stranger and stranger, more and more people are being deceived and, and veering off and, and departing from the faith and apostasy, that then how do I respond and, and deal with all of this and, and to keep myself from it? Really, the answer to all of this is found at the end of verse number 3. So look at what he says at verse number 3. He says, Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them, watch this, which believe and know the truth. Know the truth. Let me, let me help you with two things tonight. How to avoid apostasy in our life, in this church. Whatever the case may be. The first one is this. Don't give in to doctrines of devils and seducing spirits. Don't give in to them. Rather, rather compare them in the light of the scriptures. Compare them. Look at them. Um, excuse me. Do you, do you see any churches um, in the Bible getting stage lights out and drum sets and rocking it out in Jesus' name and not preaching the word? I don't, I don't see that. I don't, I don't see people living the way they want to live and doing whatever they want to do and then coming together and getting entertained. Just as I also don't see people gathering together and some guy standing up and waving around a bunch of smoke and speaking in some language I don't understand in Latin and bowing down and lighting candles to saints and worshiping Mary. I don't see either one of those. Once you compare it to Scripture... Hello? The problem is most people don't know enough about what this book says. They hear what somebody said on Facebook or the news media or whatever the case may be, and they go, that's what they want to believe. No, no, no. Compare it with the light of the Scriptures. And just because something sounds good or appealing or received by the crowds doesn't mean it's true. Listen to this tonight. Feelings are not always a confirmation that something is right. 
In fact, what I found is this. Most of the time, my feelings, my feelings are completely contrary to the Word of God. Most of the time. See, this, I'm just, listen, I, I could talk about the charismatic movement today. That's exactly what they're doing. Their, their emotions and their experiences supersede the Word of God, the authority of the Word of God. That's a seducing spirit. We can't let that happen. But I've also, I, listen, I've, I've just seen, I've seen people do this in general. I've seen, I've seen pastors do this. I've seen men of God who at one time stood on the Word of God, but then they, they get weary of confrontation and, and start, well, well, you know, we just, all these church, we just need to come together and sing Kumbaya. And I'm thinking, no, we don't. That's not what the Bible says. That might sound good and that might sound appealing, and that might make you sound spiritual, but that's not what the Bible says. I'm not called to be in unity with everybody else, but I am called to be in unity with Faith Baptist Church. Hello? Not listen, and in order to be in unity with everybody else, I've got to drop certain doctrine. No, that's, that's not what Christ called me to do. Christ called me to stand on the Word of God and to stay faithful to the Word of God. Does anybody get what I'm saying to you? That, but you understand, that's the idea here, that, that while some things might sound good, might even appeal to our flesh, well, they may not line up with the Word of God. And John said it like this in 1 John 4, 1, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Try, try the Spirit. Well, well, how do we do that, preacher? Look at the Bible. Look at what the Word of God has to say. So, so how do we try the Spirit? And well, with the light of the Word of God. So, so that means this. You ready? You ready, child of God? That means this. When fear comes along and you feel like I must be missing something, then know this. If you have Jesus Christ, you have everything you need. Be a fact. The Bible says this. God's not given you the spirit of fear, but of love, of power, and of a sound mind. So that means if you're being overwhelmed with fear tonight, the problem's not God. The problem is you. And you're not where you need to be in your walk with God. Well, preacher, you don't understand how I feel. Doesn't matter how you feel. It matters what the Bible says. And if you'll submit yourself to that, you'll get exactly what you need. If lust, lust comes along and attempts to justify clear disobedience to the Word of God, let me help you with this tonight. Take a stand against it. Take a stand against it and and resolve to follow Jesus Christ and live for Him. If pride comes along and begins to trust in, in works to, to make you feel spiritual, then know that no work really does that. It's just your own pride. Real spirituality is not those things. It's, it's humility and brokenness and a walk with God in prayer. And then what follows is you obey Him and live for Him. Don't trust your feelings tonight. Try your feelings. Don't trust your feelings. Try your feelings with the Word of God. That, that's how you avoid apostasy. Now let me give you the last thing, and I'm through tonight. Do the things necessary 
so that you can know the truth when subtle lies come your way. He says at the end of verse number three, know the truth. Now, no, I mean, don't get me wrong. He, he talks about in verses four and five, praying over Thanksgiving dinner and the ham, thanking the Lord for it, Christmas dinner. Thank you, Lord, for honey baked ham. But ultimately, it's at the end of verse number three to know the truth. That's how you avoid false doctrine. False doctrine, the, the false doctrine that often lures people away in apostasy, it's, it's not blatant. It doesn't come with big warning signs going, oh, this is false doctrine. It's subtle. It's subtle. It, it mean, listen to this, listen to this. It means to be as close to the truth as it can be without being true. Catching that? that? That's how deception works. But, but the way in which we avoid deception is by, is by knowing the truth. Okay, preacher, so how do I know the truth? Here's how. Why don't you be in uh, Sunday school? Why don't you start coming to Sunday school? Why, why, don't you start, why don't you start being in church Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night? Why, why don't you start coming to church when the doors are open? Because here's what's going to happen. You're going to come in, we're going to sing some songs, we're going to fellowship with one another, but you're also going to hear from the truth. And you're going to learn, and you're going to grow in your faith. Well, you know, preacher, we just don't really need church today. Really? So Christ died for the church, gave himself for the church. Sure furiates me to listen to men talk ugly and wickedly about the church when Jesus, that's his bride, son, I'm telling you. I'm, I'm just telling you, there's a lot of unconverted wickedness out there. These people need to get right with God. I'm telling you that right now. I'm sick of this junk. You don't need church. That is the lie of the devil. Be in church. Be in your place in church. This is what scares me is that we're watching people, even in Faith Baptist Church, unplugging. I, I'm watching people making, I'm watching people make worldly decisions in their life and they're coming less to church. You, you're, you're a prime candidate for apostasy. Be in church. Be in church. I, well, preacher, this is a Wednesday night crowd. I know, but be in church. And even the people that are live streaming, listen, listen to me. I'm glad for live streaming, and it's a wonderful ministry, but it's a, it's, a, it's a ministry tool for people that can't be in church. If you can be in church, show up and be in the house of the Lord. Be faithful and get plugged in and, and listen to the preaching. And that's the other thing. While you're here, stay awake. And stay in tune with the message. If you're so busy that you can't come into the house of God and sit down for one hour, you got problems. And this is what really, and I'm telling you, and I didn't want to, mm, I got to be nice because I love you. But I'm going to tell you something. It was really heartbreaking to watch all these visitors here Sunday morning, and they were awake and listening to the preaching while half our church membership was sleeping through the message. Listen to me. If you're so busy at Christmas time, you can't come to the house of God and sit in the message and be tuned in and listen to the word of God, you got problems. And I'll promise you this, all that junk under the tree ain't worth it. It ain't worth it. And all this busyness and insanity and running around and all these things and this and that and the other, I get it. Let's order on Amazon. That'll save you a lot of time right there. I don't, whatever, FedEx or whatever, I don't care. Well, preacher, Amazon's live on. Who cares? Stop it. You understand what I'm saying? We're too busy. 
And we're disconnecting at Christmas time when we ought to be getting plugged in at Christmas time and praising our Lord. So be in church. And when you are here, open up your heart and open up your mind and let the Lord speak to you and challenge you and, and, and so that you can know the, the truth. But, but here's the other thing. Be in the Word on your own time. You, if all you do is eat Sunday and Wednesday, that's probably the diet I need to be on after Christmas, physically. But if spiritually, if that's all you do is eat from the Bible Sunday and Wednesday, you're in trouble. You're a prime candidate for apostasy. Get in the Bible Monday and Tuesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday too. Have a daily, oh, here, here you go. Have a daily Bible reading calendar. You can open it up. About to finish the Old Testament and the New Testament twice and Psalms twice and Proverbs 12 times on December 31st. Read the Bible. Study the Bible. Mm, here, ooh, here, here's one. Don't just read it to check it off. Study it. Do a word study. Spend time. Get, a, get you a King James Bible and a Strong's Concordance and a Webster's 1828 Dictionary and study the Bible. Pick out a doctrine and start chewing on it. Grab you an ABC's of Christian growth. And if you ain't already done it, do it. And if you are doing it, or if you've done it, go back and study it and chew on it. What, what I'm trying to get across to you is this. Know what you believe and why you believe it. Because here's why. I'm not the only one facing the subtle lies of Satan. Every one of you are coming in contact with it. And this is what I know. And Brother Mac Whitney could probably tell me this is true. But you know how they train bank tellers to spot counterfeits? By handling real money. Because the more you handle real money, the more you know what it looks like and you know what it feels like. And so when counterfeit comes across, you go, oh, that didn't feel right. That doesn't look right. You know why? Because you've handled truth so much that when something fake comes along, you go, that ain't right. It works the same way with this. You listen, you study that book, you listen, you follow along, you've been reading... You go through First Timothy and see all this stuff, and then you start seeing something on social media. You go, that ain't, that ain't, that ain't right. They need a dislike button on this. He needs to be punched in the mouth. Huh? You're sitting at the Christmas table, and the weird uncle comes over. Here's that you've been going to such and such church. Those people starts in on his subtlety. I love you, but that ain't right. Am I getting there? You go to work, and some guy starts at the break room. Sounds really good. Everybody else is nodding their head. But then you go, wait a minute. That ain't right. I'm just telling you. You want to stay away from apostasy. Put your face and your mind and your heart all in that book right there. Because when subtlety comes along, deception, you'll know. That's not right. I'm going to stay with this.
I'm going to stay with what Jesus says. I'm going to stay with what his apostles said. I'm going to stay with the pattern of New Testament churches in the scripture. Let's all stand for that.